This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I'm Jack Pelzer. I'm Dan Hodgman. I'm Big JD. Can't tell that. That's right. No, no, that's there. So I, if you may have heard that, JD's in the studio. That's John Doherty. Uh, he's one of our colleagues here at Top Step Trader. When he started, he got the uh, nickname the Dancing Bear. But truth be told, when I've ever talked to him about most markets, you seem pretty bullish. Nowadays, I am. <laughs> Beginning of the year, anybody who saw me on the morning forecast knew that I was calling for a sell-off. Since Every day. Every day. Literally the first day of the year that we came back from Christmas break, I was calling for a sell-off every single day. So I take it you scooped up a whole bunch of, uh, you know, 2,200 put options in, uh, <laughs> in March. Got shaken out of all his shorts from early January as it rallied to like all-time highs again. And then uh, finally got out of your shorts on the break, huh? Is that yep. how it works? Pretty much. And uh Yeah. That whole way, that whole way up. Every comment that we got on those uh, videos, everybody just called me a lunatic. It was hilarious. Uh, well, who's laughing now? <laughs> I don't feel no vindicated one. in any no. way. Well, I don't know. We got Nasdaq just made broke the ten thousand mark. Oh, I've been bullish on this since I don't know mid April, end of April. This ten thousand hard man, not to be. It's wild. The strength of it to get it put in a high of. You know, nine 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 point seven five, and it's just you knew that these people are going to battle, and then sold off a little bit. I don't even want to know what it's doing now. Let me set up this episode a little bit first, and then we'll go back into this just to set the table for the people listening at home. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a panel episode today. You know, it's fun having outside guests, but I think sometimes it's cool just to pick a topic, right? Maybe talk a little bit, bit about the markets and how uh, retail traders can use it. So we brought. Uh, JD in here today because he wrote an article recently that you can find on the Top Step blog talking about um, support and resistance, which is the kind of the most fundamental part of technical analysis and trading. But I think sometimes it doesn't go into enough enough depth, right? People just kind of, you know, you go through resistance, it becomes a new support. Uh, there's a little bit more art to that or else we'd all be uh, great traders. So for the meat of this episode, we thought we'd discuss that a little bit and what uh, Dan and JD look at to, you know, confirm their support and resistance levels. And uh, we'll relate a little bit to these markets here, mostly the equities. Um, but first, uh, we'd also like to give a shout out to the over 2,000 uh, traders who have been funded so far this year at Top Step. That's an amazing number. It is. I think we've talked on the show before about the one person that we have uh onboarding <laughs> onboarding these <laughs> traders because you know uh something like 1700 1900 got funded in all of 2019 and now through the first five months obviously there's been a ton of volatility and uh thus we've been funding more traders but it's still poor matt b is uh doing a lot of paperwork it's amazing when i first started at top step trader in two, at the end of 2016 um we had a different guy, but he was doing all the onboarding for all our funded traders. And I think we did a little over 500 that year. So it's pretty amazing to see how much 
um, Matt's able to get done and how awesome it is to see this many traders getting funded, getting to engage. And I'll, I'll be the first to say it. I think some of the most exciting markets I've seen in my lifetime. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible. I'm, I'm really, it's really exciting to be a part of that, uh, a company that has people, that many people trading. Yeah, definitely one of the most exciting markets in, uh, really anyone's lifetime. Um, you know, and as we always have to give the caveat, but I'm sure you guys out there already know, uh, exciting in the market sense. Obviously, 2020 has been a uh, shit year. <laughs> <laughs> all, uh, for all matters of, uh, reasons, but, um, there is, Obviously, some optimism accruing right now, and uh, it brings us back to today when after that gangbusters unemployment number on Friday, we've seen after a sell-off this morning, which didn't actually include the NASDAQ, uh, the NASDAQ busting through 10,000 briefly, I think. Let me check. I would I would refrain from using the word busting. Um I think it dipped a toe above 10,000 and it then ran tickled. away really fast. It tickled. Just, just a little. 10,005, that's the number. That number. Right. I, I slacked I slacked you guys because I always think it's funny when people uh, talk about how technical analysis or things like this are uh, voodoo. And, you know, there's some merit to parts of that. But the action around that big fat 10,000 number was comical. And, and it's perfect timing for the subject we have here today. I really do think... Um, it was doing this just for us because that's what we're going to talk about, sport resistance and how to look at levels like this. Um, you know, everyone in the world that looks at the NASDAQ was looking at 10,000 and thinking, hmm, does it get there and how quick can I sell it? Yeah, I, I sure was. I, I know I was. I said it was going to get to 10,000 this week. We did it. Now I'm not saying where it's going to end up. Yeah, that's a wise, wise maneuver. Uh, Adobe's threatening me with updates right now, but I got rid of them. I'm still on here. So, uh, JD, before we launch into talking about your article, and uh, as a jumping off point for this conversation of support and resistance, uh, you've been on the podcast once or twice before. And just as a recap, maybe you can tell the people out there a little bit about you know your background as a trader. Oh, sure. Uh, so I've actually been involved in the futures industry for quite a large portion of my life. My father was a commodity futures trader also. I got my start at the Chicago Board of Trade when I was still in college as a runner in the green room. Uh, I moved to the bond room. I was still in college when I hooked up with a bond trading group. I stayed there for uh, close to 11 years, just over 10 years. Uh, since then, I've been trading independently and writing for uh, multiple financial services. Now I'm at Top Step. Uh, so my my history goes deep in the markets. Uh, I've been this is pretty much most of my life right here, looking at charts all day long, trying to make sense <laughs> of them. It's glamorous, isn't it? It is. There's As a matter of fact, market. we had uh, JD's bond boss on the show earlier this year, didn't we? That's right. Check out the uh, John Zampano podcast episode. It's a great one. It was a lot. We of had fun. him on. We had him on. Uh, I think that was the day that we shut the office down, wasn't it? Yeah, we were we were doing elbows. We were giving the elbow instead of shaking hands already at that point. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was out of town. That reminds me, I got to get uh, just a mental note for all you guys. I was walking around Bucktown the other day, and I saw I saw my old uh, boss from trading driving around, and uh, 
I started waving wildly, but I forgot I had one of those masks on. So he just drove <laughs> off. I haven't told him yet, but uh, we got to get him on there sometime. So uh, we'll use that as a segue into talking about support and resistance. So uh, is there any overarching thing to start you want to talk about, J.D.? Uh, well, we could start with the basics. Uh, looking at the trend, you know, obviously, support and resistance levels build trends. So you're looking for reaction highs and reaction lows, and we use those levels as support and resistance. Now, the significance of these levels, when you're trending higher and you're breaking through all the resistance levels, do those levels actually become new support areas? There's a lot of school of thought surrounding that, uh, and there's really just three things that you really need to look at to know whether or not you're at a significant support level when you're trading in an uptrend. You have to look at how long ago was that level an area of significance, how much time did it spend in consolidation there, how heavy was the volume. Those are the three main factors in determining whether or not a support or resistance level will reverse itself. And that's a major thing I think people overlook how long ago, I think the main factor is how long ago were we trading at this level? Yeah, we all know corn bounced off of $4 back in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody, if you look on any chart, you'll see it. But does that really mean anything today? Does anybody remember why it bounced off of $4 back then? Was there any, nobody cares anymore, you know, who's using that as a level right now? Uh, so you really have to take in consideration uh, how long ago you were here. Those are the three main factors that I'm looking at when I'm looking at support and resistance. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. So to uh, do you put notes on your chart or how do you uh, how do you remember which levels were significant or why they were happening? Uh, you can mark it right on your chart. You can charting platforms these days. You can do anything you want. Change the color, make a little note. Even jot it down on a notebook. I've got hundreds of notebooks in my office at home. You're like the guy from uh, Seven with the journals, right? <laughs> that's, that's a little creepy of a reference there, Jack. But well, uh, <laughs> it, it's funny you bring that up, JD. I was uh, I was down at my parents' house not too long ago, and uh, my dad was cleaning up his office a little bit. He had every single day's he, and I do the same thing now too. He has a hard card that every day he would write, he sat down and he'd have all his levels for the day. He had about 25 years worth of levels and hard cards still saved. And he goes back into them. And we, so he got, he started trading again recently. And uh, we, uh, he pulled them all out to refer back to prices that we were, you know, where can this thing go and how important is that level going to be to me? Cracks me up. He still has 25 years of them. <laughs> That's yeah, why I don't I don't look back too far in mine anymore. In fact, I should start clearing some room out. Uh, but they are there. And if it's a month old and we're back at a level, I will go back and check out my old notes. But for the most part, everything I need is directly on my chart now because I'm not looking back too far. Uh, if you're a short-term trader, you're looking at 60-minute, or I'm sorry, 60-minute, 120-minute charts or, you know, uh, daily charts that go back a month, maybe two tops for really significant levels. Sure. This is, this is a uh, recurring theme on the podcast of talking about you have to choose wisely what time frames you're looking at in these things and uh, be aware of the larger patterns. It's too easy to get into the weeds sometime when you start looking at 
the real short-term charts. They might help you with, uh, you know, entry points or exit points, but you need to zoom out a little bit to get a real picture of what's going on. Right. You know, there's something I wanted to touch on as we talk about support and resistance. I, I always, I, I use the terms a lot, um, but I think it's important for people to recognize hindsight is when we find out, was it support or was it resistance? In the moment, when we see the markets get to certain levels, it's very easy right now. Let's take NASDAQ for an example. It's very easy right now to say, oh, we found resistance up at 10,000 in NASDAQ. Well, I can probably sit here and say, we saw a lot of buyers without looking at anything, a lot of buyers trying to come in at 10,000 to see it be that springboard or catapult through. Obviously, sellers have overpowered thus far, but we're only about 35, 40 points off the off our highs there. Um, and so I think it's something that people need to recognize is using those terms. I like to use it as an inflection level or an area of opportunity. Um, how's the market reacting? Like JD was talking about, you've got to What's the volume? What's the time? Um, things of that nature. When you're seeing these prices come into play, you got to watch that reaction to say, okay, are we going to find um, a reversal here? Or are we going to be able to kind of break through and find opportunity yeah. continuation? So, someone's always selling and always buying. That's the most fundamental thing out there. But sometimes it's easy to forget when you're looking at the screens and stuff like that, is that if you, if you, if you want to buy a 10, hello, Sarge, that's Dan's dog. I'm blocked in the office. The door is closed. It's it's all right. It's all right. It, it's some uh, you know nature stuff going on, right? Um, if you think you're going to buy at ten thousand, for instance, you're booking on more people. This is sort of what Dr. Meneker was talking about last week. Is really all you're doing is you are thinking with a greater probability that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to buy that at a worse price. They're going to buy it higher than you. So um, it is important to see how these things react. Uh, are you guys looking at like a, a volume profile when you do this? How are you looking at um, what, what makes it a support or resistance level? So for me, it's it's a lot of time-based. Um, I need to see what how that market reacts. So like I said, I don't really use the term support or resistance until it's kind of in hindsight. Um, I don't want to use those terms. I don't want people to sit here when I say, you know, yesterday we saw resistance at an S and P's at um, gosh, I want to say it was like thirty two seventeen. Uh, let me verify price here because I actually dropped it in our chat um, thirty two eleven. We found we watched that market sit there and bounce off of thirty two eleven quite a few times. It hit it, ran back, hit it, ran back, and I'm looking at anywhere from a thirty minute time frame to a two hundred forty minute time frame chart. I won't use the word resistance. At that point, just because I think it's too much, too short of a time frame. Um, and then when you saw at the end of the day, it catapulted through right through there. And then this after, last night, it broke right through. So that resistance did not become support. Therefore, to me, we were just trying to break through a little bit of a level. So if I'm using support and resistance, I'm having to keep it a higher time frame. I'm looking on the, I'm looking on the dailies. I need to see how does this market settle today? How does it settle on the week as it relates to these levels? Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. A little bit of a background information for those listening too. We all just came from a uh, remote hot dog eating lunch. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling it a little bit as well, JD. 
it's killing me right now. Uh, <laughs> chili cheese dogs. Well, we'll force our way right through. You know, we'll call this resistance and we'll break on through it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. So, yeah, as we've talked about a little bit, um, these levels become extremely important in a market where there's a lot of uncertainty. There's not a whole lot else necessarily to base your ideas on, you know, your macro ideas. I can give you a very convincing argument that the equity markets especially are incredibly overpriced right now or going to keep on chugging along. So those levels tend to attract uh, lots of volume. Yeah, they definitely do. And using something like a volume profile or a market profile, something that's showing you the volume traded at these specific levels. Um, and some platforms even allow you to expand it over multiple days. Um, I think that kind of helps give an idea. I think I like to look at it when I see you know points of control or I see these larger volume nodes. To me, I like to look at them and say, all right, we found like a step or a little bit of a shelf here. Is this shelf going to hold? Or is this shelf going to fall down? Yeah. So, Dan, you, you also are pretty bullish in general as far as equities. Yeah, I know. Oh, he's, he's yes. Nodding. Yeah. Um, but it's hard. It's hard not to me. I, I, I've been trading this market for well over 10 years now. In the last 10 years, nothing ever told me to sell it. Like, obviously, we saw some selling opportunity, but 10 years of buy side only, it's hard to get away from that. Well, what was, I was going to point out is we were on a phone call the other day planning for something while you were mid-trade and you were actually short. And um, I can talk about now because I saw that that trade worked out. It did. Uh, it did. So you were looking at a point of control there. I was wondering if maybe you could kind of walk through what you were thinking with that trade. Absolutely. Um, so when, first off, point of control is something that you get. Um, you can use different sources to find it, but I use uh, volume profile. I'm not a market profile guy. I look at it a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit above my pay grade. I'm not that intelligent. Um, volume profiles profiles a lot easier for me. And I was watching um, the S and P's try and break above the prior day point of control. Point of control is the price most traded throughout a certain session that you select. Um, the market was having a hard time getting above the prior day point of control. Um, I had a really good opportunity for asymmetric risk to bring a price right down to my favorite level, settlement price. And so I think I went in on a three-point stop and a 15-point target and took my money. I ran away, and the market turned around and rallied after that. Um, so I used point of control. To me, it just is a location of, like I was just saying, it's a little bit of a shelf, that volume there was a lot traded at that price. Therefore, something tells me people are going to try and get in here. And I can't sit and go, well, I'm a bullish guy. I got to go long here. Um, I got to say, where's you know, where's the risk in a trade like this? Where's the opportunity in a trade like this? And if I were to try to be long, my risk was greater. Being short, I was able to put in a three-point stop and I was able to run away with a, a really nice profit on it. Yeah. I think if you're trading, especially trading futures right now, well, trading everything, but especially futures, I don't think these markets are really rewarding people who have developed some sort of uh, long-term blinders towards things. I mean, obviously, long, long-term, we are all bullish equities. You'd have to be a real piece of work not to. But uh, <laughs> like dancing bear. <laughs> but um, I think it's too easy sometimes, especially if, you know, I've gone down the rabbit hill, rabbit hole now of uh, just to get ready for these shows and stuff, reading a lot of 
you know, traders' comments and tweets in real time and stuff. And it seems that uh, there's a lot of people out there with a lot of personal pride invested in their side, almost like a sports team of, you know, Team Bull versus Team Bear. And that's not a great way to go through life because um, you can't look at things neutrally. That's why I wanted to use the example of that trade, because I know you're one of the more bullish people that I know. <laughs> and so when I saw you sh- short the other day, I was like, oh, okay. What's this all about? You know, it's got to be a really great setup for me to go short. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I'm glad it worked out for you, Dan. I am too. I am too. Otherwise, I'd really have to give up on selling this market. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So now we've kind of given an overview of support and resistance and gone through some trades. Uh, We want to explore a little bit more uh, part of the blog that JD wrote that was talking about, you know, there's this kind of idea out there that support becomes resistance or resistance becomes support, kind of like flipping a switch. But I know it's a little bit more, uh, you know, nothing's complicated in trading, but this is something that deserves more explaining than that. So uh, JD, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Most of the time, these points can really just be chalked up to another level. It's another reaction low. It's another reaction high. And that's simply all it is, you know? the market could breeze through these levels like nothing, or it, it could stop there. They're, they're really, the psychological significance for traders is really depends on the amount of time spent at a level. And I'm a huge believer in that. If you're a short-term trader and the S&P spends three, four days hovering around an area, and then you it captures a reaction low after that, and then comes back to breakthrough, then yeah, I'll look at that level as an area of support the next time it comes down to retest it. But if you're just, if it's just sliding up and down easily, I'm not taking these levels too seriously at all. Uh, and if you're waiting a long time for a significant level, then that's, the, you got to start looking farther back. Uh, I mentioned, I don't like looking back more than a couple of months uh, just because the levels become diluted much less significant over time. But if you're in an area where you're not seeing much action, then yeah, you could take a look back and see what's happened at these levels in the past. But right now, I mean, stocks were, I mean, the NASDAQ just hit an all-time high. So right yeah, now, I would, be, I would be looking for a reaction low after this. Uh, getting long at the top is not my style of trading. Uh, so I will... In a situation like this, I'm looking at a moving average. I'm waiting for a pullback. I'm looking for, I'll take an exponential moving average. I love weighted moving averages. I'll wait and use one of those as a target for a pullback. Maybe it comes in line with the uh, former resistance area. And that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm looking for. Yeah, I love exponential moving averages in you know all sorts of applications beyond uh, trading. If you look at polling, that's a great way to look at polls, which will eventually on some future podcasts, start talking more about uh, politics and the probability of that. But uh, basically, uh, I don't know how mathematically inclined people are, but the exponential moving averages weight heavier towards recent movements, um, but includes all the information on a decaying ratio as it goes back. Um, so that's a great one to use. And I would guess the, the exception of looking back is, I guess, I suppose there are some very major levels. I remember when we were crashing in March, um, a level a lot of people were looking at was the uh, uh, Christmas 2018 crash low of, what was that, like 2400 or something like along those lines? I believe so. 
Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is just the nature of how equities are generally on an upward trend is that levels from a uh, too far back only come about during very severe market moves. So, yeah, I agree with keeping it short term usually, or at least, you know, no more than a couple months. Something I want to mention, JD was just talking about exponential moving averages. I look at them. I have a 10 minute up, uh, 10, or excuse me, a, a 10 period uh, exponential moving average on a 30 minute chart right now. And obviously, we, we talked about sellers came in up at 10,000 in the NASDAQ. And I bet you guys can guess exactly where the market came down to and bounced off so far 25 points. The 10 period exponential moving average. Look at that. They work. They work sometimes. One of the, I, I love that we can see each other doing this because you had such a proud look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced sometimes people, you know, there is a great deal of pride. But even though the job is to make profit, sometimes uh, a lot of the reward is just being right. <laughs> I, well, I did it a couple weeks ago. I, I still am relishing in this. We started to see the little bit of a sell-off in the S&Ps. And um, some of our listeners probably read the blog that uh, was our Slack conversation or chat we were having the other day. Uh, but we, uh, our founder, Michael Patak, said, where does S&Ps go? I said, 2762. And it came down to 2762 and hasn't looked back. It rallied from that price. I, I'm very proud of myself on that one. Yeah, I'll give you a virtual <laughs> pat on the back. So what the hell, let's pro- prognosticate a little bit. And this is especially fun because it's uh, Tuesday and this will come out on Thursday afternoon. But I, I don't mean we're going to try and predict where it's going. That'd be nonsense. But I guess kind of um, as, as long as we're sticking with equities here, which, which I like doing in general because I feel like it's a market that everyone's watching to some extent. And uh, I just feel more comfortable talking about that than, say, you know, oil or whatever else where I don't really... I'm not as aware of the dynamics. Well, aware, but just not very good at them. Um, what are you guys looking at now? We touched 10,000, right? And there's been this wild dynamic going on with, there's a lot of rotation going on right now between stocks. Uh, the indices are certainly not moving in anything resembling lockstep. I think the, you know, the Russell was had a pretty red day today while the NASDAQ was up. Uh, you saw the value stocks surge, Last week, especially, you know, the airlines, Boeing has been out of control. And uh, now it came back today and the FANG stocks were rotating back into that. So um, what are you guys kind of looking at for the next, uh, let's say, month? (sighs) Great question. Um, So I think right now when I look at the NASDAQ, I'm going to stick with NASDAQ here. I think it's slightly overbought. I think uh, we're going to have to give this back a little bit. It's really due for some sort of pullback. So I think you're going to start to see some of these longs that are going to start to get out of their positions. And I think the time being that we're in right now, I won't be surprised if within the next month we see this thing um, give us a little bit of a pullback. And that's all I'm going to call it. I'm not going to be like uh, some of the, the talking heads out there. They're going to say, oh, the rally's over. Making new lows, I don't think that's going to happen by any means. But I think it's due for some sort of sell-off. Um, we're coming into summer now. You're going to start to see people taking some holidays, taking some vacation. So I think over the next month, I'm going to be kind of playing that dancing bear card in a sense and look for 
um, some sort of pullback, some sort of price adjustment here to get this thing a little bit more um, priced respectfully. I'm not a big fan. I think it's just slightly overbought. Yeah, I um, I, I, w- I would add you were talking about people going on vacation. I think it'd be awful hard to enjoy my vacation if I was sitting on uh, a whole lot of paper profits. So, right. you know, it's it's not in your bank until it's, you know, sold. So that'll be interesting to see. What about you, JD? I agree with pretty much all that. Is it our equities overbought? Yes. Are we due for a little pullback here? Yes. Uh, are we going to see some profit taking soon? Yes, 100%. I don't think it's going to be pullback is the perfect word. Dan used it and he stuck by it. It's going to be a little pullback. The uh, trend's not going to change. Uh, I don't know how familiar with the term uh, because we are coming on the the summer months right now and people are taking vacation. You never sell a quiet market. That adage goes back many, many years and it rings true every year. Uh, I think once a little money's taken off the table, we're going to find a reaction low and uh, it's just going to keep creeping higher for the next couple months. Yeah. There's still a lot of money sitting on the sidelines. Um, this is one of the rare, you know, we've talked a lot and pretty much every educated or professional source talks about how much uh, you know, professionals have and institutions outperform retail traders, but just the, the violent nature of this rebound has kind of flipped that on its head so far. I mean, once again, it's not in your bank until it's sold. But uh, retail has been, in general, doing really well with this uh, this rip we've had in equities. Yeah, all things considered. I think it's imperative for us to constantly remind ourselves that this break that we saw, albeit out of control and wild, um, it was, it's not going to be hard for these markets to overcome that. I had, I heard a lot of people talking, it's going to take a long time for us to get back to these prices. And where for me, what has been really paying dividends for myself is I keep reminding myself, this was not an economic crisis that we just went through. This was a pandemic, a worldwide fear that there was a sickness going around, a virus that people were catching and it was, um, causing some turmoil, but truthfully, People were still making money before this whole thing happened. We're now seeing jobs numbers continue to, I won't continue. I will say jobs numbers were unbelievably shocking last week. And uh, I think that's a sign that this economy, that when we talk about these equity markets have a lot to do with, I think it's a sign that people are going to continue to spend. Um, And as this country continues to open up, spending is going to continue to increase. I, I agree with it. Uh, yeah. Those payroll protection loans did their job. Everything kind of worked out as planned. Uh, the Fed's just going to continue to print money for the time being. Or if you uh, took a look at that blog that Jack put together about our Band of Traders Slack channel, we were talking about this on Friday. Uh, we're still a long way from three and a half percent unemployment, but it's gonna we're gonna get there again. Not by the end of the year but it's opening up and people are going back to work. I think that the last kind of hurdle before we'll get complete buy into this will be what happens with Q2 earnings. Um, Because in August, it'll be Q2 earnings, but it'll also be the end of those, uh, you know, those, a lot of those benefits, I believe is uh, July 31st, correct? 
So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm super interested to see what the Fed does um, in the next few months, because obviously the market's roaring back. Uh, There'll be less incentive to have a more extensive stimulus package, which I'll be very interested to see what the government does. And I'll be the first to admit that I, um, I blundered the trade on the way down just because I was kind of shocked at how um, aggressive and kind of forceful the stimulus and Fed response was. Because I found it, when we were going down, I, I really found it hard to believe in in each of these last kind of crashes, which granted were economic. If you look at the dot-com or the uh, financial crisis, is we got down more than 50%. And I kind of thought there's going to be no way we weren't going to go below 2000 the S&P. And um, it didn't happen, as many of you probably notice. So um, I'll still be a little bit, you know, cash as a position too. I am going to be kind of uh, watching and waiting through August before I buy in fully and then uh, turn full bull. And then that's when it'll crash for 2000. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, any, any other observations there, Dan? No, you know, I stand with you. I'm I'm kind of perusing some of the things right now. And I, I, I truthfully, I think NASDAQ, when you look at all our indices, NASDAQ is the most overbought. But I think it's important to note when you look at the NASDAQ, the companies that make up that, that's a tech sector. Those are companies that can maintain their workforce from home, can, can continue to produce their products, continue to kind of keep the wheels spinning um, without really having too much of a struggle where you look at some of these other companies. A lot of companies don't have that benefit. We've been sitting here for the last, has it been three months that we've been doing our podcast just like this from home? Um, never really skipped that beat like a lot of places have. And so I really do think uh, I'm not surprised NASDAQ's the first one to make the all-time high here. I'm looking at S&Ps right now. You know, it's heck of a move. It's impressive with everything, all things considered. Um, we'll see what happens with the uh, murder hornets and uh, what they might do. <laughs> oh, God, not the, not the damn murder hornets. I mean, it's the year 2020. Yeah. It just makes sense. Well, they got the mysterious radio bursts from outer space now. So, you know, aliens would be the, uh, that's my bet. You know, calls or puts on aliens. I'm not sure which. <laughs> they, could, they could give us some great technology. Uh, who knows? Be curious. <laughs> yeah. So, and then as long as, you know, because I'm the resident, I'm always slightly more bearish, but I'm not, you know, all in or else I would have already, uh, hit the road, you know? Um, I'll be interested to see a little bit as, you know, people are getting pretty, there's a bit of euphoria going on here. There's a lot of people that are pretty uh, leveraged up here long. And um, just because of the dynamic of the last couple weeks where it always goes up, like if if you buy the dip, it always comes. But today's a perfect example. It's just every time. Um, It'll be interesting to see what happens if they get thrown a little bit more heat like I could see a scenario and I'm not predicting some, you know, new lows or stuff like that, but it'll be interesting to see. I, f- I feel like even a, you know, 5% to 10% correction, I feel could leave a whole lot of people pretty high I mean, and dry. I can tell you I'm pretty leveraged up when it comes to certain stocks right now. Um, you know, and if they turn on me, it could hurt a little bit. My, uh, my Boeing, you know, I, you talk about buying dips. 
Boeing's one of those ones that it was hard not to buy that dip. And, you know, I like where it's at today, but it could turn very quickly. I, I did too. And I did some, and I don't even mind saying this here, like confessions. I did some <laughs> dumb stuff with it though. I, uh, I, I bought all the, like, I bought Boeing at the dip, bought uh, United and a couple others, and I decided I wasn't going to be super greedy. So, um, you know, I sold some uh, call options, way, way high, covered. Um, let's just say it was like uh, Boeing 180 and 200, and now I'm sitting there like, God darn it. <laughs> I uh, I bought a lot of Boeing uh, at 119. Um and I am very greedy on my profits on that. I'm looking to get close to that 300 mark before I'm willing to do anything with it. We'll see what well, that's happens. That's good for you. I'll <laughs> keep, really I'll keep you guys it. abreast on uh, my positions on that one. Yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. Hey, so far, so far, thoroughly excited about all of it. Yeah, it's good to be excited about uh, things going better. I, wa- I don't want to say like I, I, I'm bearish not as that I want some sort of more disaster to befall you know, the world, God knows there's been enough of that over the last two months. It's more that, uh, you know, it's like we talked about that urge to maybe be right. It just seems a little bit, I was shocked at how quickly this has come back. It's impressive. And, and so one thing we want to be thinking about too, when you, you know, we talk about these things returning, I've said this a thousand times and people probably think I'm a broken record at this point. These markets are controlled by computer systems that are designed for the buy side. They're designed to move these higher. There are firms out there that are strictly buy side only firms. So when these markets break, those computers shut off and the buyers stop buying. It makes for the saying, elevator down, take the stairs up. Um, Once those computers start firing up and those buy side only firms say, okay, Computers fired up. We like this first bounce. Let's wait for the next pullback, and then we can start buying in as well. So it's the the sell-offs will happen fast and hard, but the buying will always continue because this is what these markets are designed to do. They are designed to go from bottom left to top right with some hiccups on their way there. Yeah, that's a good way to frame it. All right, cool. Well, I think with that... Um... People out there, if you want to learn more about it, check out the uh, blog. You know, what was the title of that blog you wrote, John? The Basics of Support and Resistance. Pretty simple. <laughs> the hell of a title. Well, well thought out. <laughs> well thought out. Uh, super exciting. Well, check out that on the uh, blog. You can check out our uh, Slack conversation as well. I'm going to try and publish some more of those in reaction to economic events. Probably not the Fed this week just because it's you know too soon. Although I this will come out after the Fed, so I don't want to guess anything about that because we'll all look silly. But uh, there's a number of things that let's I'm... Let's make ourselves look silly. Let's let's throw it out there. What are our thoughts? Okay. I'll, here's, here's a question. Are they going to do yield control? Ooh. I'm going to say I not don't think this yet. time. I, I could see them doing it if things kind of go bad, but I don't think yet. All right. Here, here's what we'll do to make uh, people look stupid. I'll ask two more, uh, two questions. One, um, is Powell going to say anything tomorrow that could be construed as throwing water yes. on this market? I think it's possible, too. It's possible. <laughs> yes or no? I'll go yes, also. Yeah, possible. It's possible that Powell goes out there and, I don't know, <laughs> sings Dixie or something. So we'll say yes. Okay. And now part two. Do stocks rally or go down 
when the, when the when it comes out. Well, you always get that knee-jerk reaction lower whenever uh, the Fed says something people don't like. But I think you could just use that as a buying opportunity. I think this week ends lower than where we are right now. All right, cool. These are bold predictions coming in Tuesday for Thursday. So uh, I'll answer those as well, too. I think we end lower this week as well. Um, all right. Well, with that on there, I think, uh, JD, you can stick around for the uh, outro here where we say uh, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. Uh, go ahead and subscribe and rate us on iTunes. That's good ways for people to find it and uh, to move on up those lists because that is uh, my greatest joy in life <laughs> is trying to move up the list of uh, Apple investing podcast. They don't have a trading category. And um, yeah, in the meantime, check out the blog. We're still doing videos, uh, Coach's Playbook this week where we talked about my mind is melting, Dan. What did we talk about? Uh, rollover and calendar spreads. Calendar spreads and rolls. That's a good thing for you futures traders out there. Um, besides that, check out the uh, check out the program if it's something that interests you, the Trading Combine. And um, yeah, with that, I hope everybody has a uh, wonderful weekend since it's Thursday. Hope you're staying safe and uh, hope you get to spend some time with friends and family. Uh, Dan, you got anything to say? Not at all. Just get out there and uh, trade what this market is uh, giving you and don't have a bias. JD, thanks so much for stopping by. You want to give your sign off? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure joining you. Yeah, it's great. So we'll see you a little bit later, JD. And uh, we'll see all you guys next week. Stay safe. Namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.